In the first episode of season two, I tell a story involving Cam, the ex-boyfriend from season one, the first episode in Puerto Rico, and the lessons learned post our breakup about having the courage to forgive yourself and not looking to the external to do so. I really wanted to highlight the lesson of if it goes backwards, it has to go forwards. So just like you don't owe anything to anyone, no one owes anything to you as well. I hope you guys enjoy episode one of season two, Passing Through Spain, España. Wait, what? A notification that Cam liked my photo? We'd been broken up for almost three years. I dated a whole human being in between, and our last conversation was far from amicable. He harbored resentment for how things ended, and I fostered guilt for ending things. Probably a mistake, I thought to myself. I've crept and double-tapped and untapped so quickly even Instagram couldn't register what happened. Seconds passed and there's no unlike. Okay. Weird. Ten minutes later and I get a notification that Cam is now following my page? And you already know what I had to do. I screenshot the shit out of it and sent it to a couple friends. What the fuck is going on? Send. This digital attempt at a hey girl, what you been up to, was one of the farthest things from my mind. I'd been thoroughly enjoying a full summer of singledom and wasn't looking to rekindle any romance. I nervously gnawed at a piece of my bottom lip as my finger hovered over the follow back button. Maybe he's just trying to be friends. I mean, I'd be cool with a friendship. Let me follow this dude back. A week later, I found myself combing through dates and times, texting my availability to Cam. What could meeting up with them hurt? Maybe certain wounds had healed, we'd had space from our relationship, and now we could finally tie up loose ends. Although, my last attempt at redemption was a complete fail. The previous winter, we met at a hole in the wall in a neutral part of town. A string of bells rattled as I cracked open the creaky door of a Coney Island, quickly scurrying in to escape the cold. Sit anywhere you'd like, said a gray-haired, greasy-palmed waitress, smiling as she wiped excess sauce on her apron. I grabbed a table for two by a skimpy Christmas tree near the entrance. The typical tacky holiday music hummed over the diner's speakers, making me nostalgic of the winters Cam and I spent happy. I took a deep breath, then another. You're acting like you didn't date this guy for four years of your life. It's just a meetup. Relax. The iron chair screeched as I shifted my legs. At the time, I hadn't seen Cam in over a year. And he, surprisingly, didn't reach out after we broke up. I'm talking radio silence. No, hey, can we talk? No, I miss you. No, what the hell are we doing? Let's get back together. Nothing. I texted him a few times to no avail. I was the one that mustered up the courage to finally euthanize the deaf, blind, decrepit family dog that was our romance. I'd finally put us out of our mundane misery. Maybe he felt a silent rush of relief that we were over, too. A gust of wind passed through the diner, and there stood a short, stout cam in a light winter coat and black beanie. Our eyes met, and I quickly pushed back my squeaky iron chair to stand and greet him. I grinned, holding my arms out in a low V. He gave me the kind of half-hug you give a homeless dude who, to your bewilderment, embraced you after you gave him a $10 bill. He looked tired, annoyed almost. We sat down and I started the conversation with the two-letter word reserved for awkward encounters and exes. So, how have you been? I'm good, he replied without returning the question. That's good. I said, bobbing my head like a ping-pong ball in water. We small talked about what we'd been up to. Well, really it was me, the guilty party, over-talking in a job interview for forgiveness. And I was bombing this shit. 
I could have tap danced around the real, unasked question of why I left a seemingly happy relationship with him all damn night. Twenty minutes later, the waitress plopped two gigantic Greek salads onto our table, followed by fresh silverware and napkins. I immediately took a monstrous bite of romaine lettuce just to shut myself up. When the topic of our relationship finally arose, Cam set down his fork and slipped off his beanie. I was going to call you when we first broke up, he said earnestly. But I saw some things. Did you think I wouldn't find out? Warm, acidic bubbles of embarrassment formed in my stomach. What are you talking about? (laughs) What did you see? I mumbled, crushing a thick banana pepper between my two front teeth. I knew exactly what Cam was talking about. It was a picture of me that the new guy Justin posted on his Instagram. I pleaded with Justin not to post anything about us hanging out due to the fragility of the relationship I left, but he did it anyways. Ignoring my artificial obliviousness, Cam proceeded with his questioning. Did you see him while we were together? No, I blurted out without hesitation. I would never do that. I I know this isn't right or easy or... Naga, save yourself the explanation, Cam interrupted, his face twisting into a scowl. The dinner ended with me paying for both gigantic Greek salads, then starting my car blasting the heat and sinking into the cold leather seats feeling like an even bigger asshole than before I entered the diner. That night, we never actually addressed the issues that led to our relationship's demise. Now we had another chance, in the present. I was hoping this meetup would be different. We met at a park, not a diner this time, on a perfect summer day under huge oak trees. I grabbed us an empty wooden bench overlooking a stream. Cam walked up, beaming from ear to ear. How are you, girl? You look good, he exclaimed, tightly tying his arms around my frame. I'm sure the fact that I was single now didn't hurt, I thought. Thanks, man. You don't look so bad yourself, I joked. After a short, informal catch-up, we got to the good stuff. I never told you this. I was too prideful for a long time, but I had a lot to do with why we didn't work, Cam admitted crushing a pile of twigs with the heels of his feet. I wasn't in a good space for a long time, he continued. I couldn't give you what you deserved. Stuck in a trance, I paused, looking past the stream at two sparrows swooping from tree to tree. It was both of us, not just you, I added. Shoulder to shoulder, we let our exchange marinate. We both strayed away from difficult conversations in our relationship, and even now, we were only skimming the surface of a vast ocean of emotions. Would you ever try this again? Cam asked, to my surprise. I turned to face him, confused as to where this was even coming from. Where the hell was this when we first broke up? Try what? I asked, buying time. Us, this, a relationship, Cam affirmed. Now, if this was a movie, symphony music would trickle in as I gazed deeply into Cam's eyes. I dramatically shake my head and scream through glossy tears of joy, Damn it, Cam, it took you long enough, as I grabbed him by his shirt collar to pull him in for a passionate kiss that fades to black. The words three years later would appear at the bottom of the screen, dissolving into a close-up of a perfectly manicured single-family home. The camera then pans slowly left to me, Cam, and our newborn child, moisturized, black, and happy. But this isn't a movie. Life and relationships aren't binary, perfectly curated rom-com scenes. Shit gets sticky, feelings fade, and you learn that forgiving others isn't necessarily synonymous with reliving or reviving the past. It's about finding a new equilibrium. Are we good for each other now? Because nostalgia can only nourish relationships for so long. When the dust settles and old habits rear their ugly heads, you'll be left starved, hungry for a palpable connection in the present. 
A week before meeting Kim underneath the oak trees, I'd spontaneously reconnected with an old acquaintance, Jeffrey, for dinner. I'll spare you the finer details of our dinner, but just know that after that night, I knew I could never go back to being hungry for an authentic connection ever again. Our conversation alone left me in awe of the power of possibility, and Jeff's spirit, to me, was both foreign and familiar. He was a place I'd known, maybe in another lifetime, as home. Nega, Cam probed, interrupting my daydream. Would you try this again? No, I replied somberly. I can't. I wouldn't right now. All right, damn. I get it, Cam said, shaking his head, looking at the stream, then back at me. I didn't feel guilty watching hope dim from his dark brown eyes that afternoon. I felt grateful, in real time, that I was able to tell this person who I loved and cared about the truth. The uncurated, sticky type of truth. Because I realized the latter is much more damaging. We trudged up a crackling path to our cars, shared in one more hug, and said our goodbyes. A week later, my sister and I shopped for last-minute outfits for a seven-day excursion across Spain. Ify had done a brief stint in Madrid for a study abroad program in high school, and she'd been ranting and raving about how incredible the food, wine, and men were for long enough. So I thought, why not take a sister's trip? Two morenas gallivanting from Spanish city to city, eating our weight in churros and paella, sounds seductive enough. At 9 a.m. the next morning, we lugged two overstuffed bags to the airport, checked in, and relaxed at the gate. By this trip, unlike Jamaica, I'd finally settled into a travel routine without a spouse. There was no specific person to text when I took off or landed, minus my parents, no one to FaceTime, no one to send random pictures of my random adventures, and it felt good. A raspy voice on the overhead speaker announced our zone, interrupting my thoughts. I cradled my ticket and passport in one hand, smiling to myself. You're gonna love Spain, E.P. said, looking back at me after scanning her ticket. And Spain is gonna love us, I joked, pressing my paper to the podium. Our first stop in a bustling Madrid was a churro spot straight out of the movies. We were hit by a succulent gust of fried dough and sugar as soon as we stepped in. Everyone and their mother was stuffed in this hole-in-the-wall, patiently awaiting these warm, fluffy wands of heaven. Ify thankfully speaks Spanish, so she ordered us a round of churros and two cafe con leches as I snagged us a seat outside. Is this real? I murmured to myself, looking around. Lavender light poured in from across the street, and the walls, christened a ripe cantaloupe orange, gave everything a dreamy hue as the sun set. Shortly after Evie took her seat, a handsome waiter set our order on the table with a side of dark chocolate for dipping. I put my camera down, ripped off a chunk, and submerged it in the chocolate. Flecks of white sugar coated my lips as I sunk my teeth into this dessert of the gods. Unreal, I said, bobbing my head in synchrony with my sisters. Still chewing, we cheers our coffees, an official toast to our arrival. We hop from Madrid to Sevilla to Malaga in the span of seven days, taking trains and taxis, offloading our things into little boutique hotels. And yes, we ate our weight in churros and paella and drank sangria every goddamn day, and shopped irresponsibly and ate gelato at ridiculous times and perused the cobblestone streets, scanning menus to decide what we wanted for dinner on a whim, and drank more sangria and took pictures and took siesta, and followed to a T, instructions in the art of slow, gluttonous living. Boys were the farthest thing from my mind, partially because I think I was forming a gelato addiction that took precedence over male tension, but Ify, on the other hand, was tired of honeymooning with her older sister, someone who she couldn't flirt with, and decided to FaceTime her love interest on our second-to-last day. Why don't you FaceTime Jeff? What could it hurt? You act like it's not fun to flirt. She probed, as if I had the dustiest dating life she'd ever seen. Jeff and I had been sporadically texting, and I can't lie. 
There were times when I thought, what a wonderful conversation we'd probably be having waltzing down these romantically lit Sevilla sidewalks. But I wasn't pressed to be in another relationship and neither was he. Just call him, Ify whispered, muffling her phone speaker to shield her jump-off's sensitive ears. Okay, 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 I responded, slowly backing into my room and closing the door. I nervously dialed his number, prepared to hang up, prematurely if he didn't answer soon. We talked for six straight hours like it was dial-up internet days, hunger being the only thing preventing us from extending the conversation. We made plans to continue our chat over a bottle of wine when I returned. Doesn't he know Cam? Ify asked, aggressively chewing a piece of pasta. Yeah, they're frat brothers from different chapters. Shit, different eras, I explained, our forks clashing in a duel for the last meatball. Mm-hmm. Just your luck, she replied, grinning devilishly. Why was it just my luck when both of us weren't looking for anything serious, I thought. Serious being an ambiguous term thrown around by parents when you start creeping towards your late 20s. And since a relationship wasn't serious until my future partner came to Isekinesi to trade goats for my hand in marriage, a girl could continue dating whomever she pleased. Three days later, I found myself curled up on Jeff's couch watching Game of Thrones with a glass of Riesling in hand. Okay, you have to tell me everything about your trip. Pictures you took were amazing. I want to hear it all, Jeff demanded, easing into a cozy nook by my feet. I sincerely appreciated this small request, having dealt with men who typically show no genuine interest about adventures that happened without them. We laughed, talked, drank, and joked for hours, until we got on the topic of exes and Jeff brought up a possibility I'd been avoiding. You know I have to have a conversation with Cam, right? Jeff asked, turning towards me. I froze, mid-sip like a kid caught with their entire torso in the cookie jar. A part of me wanted to fling my body on the floor and scream, I just made amends with him this summer. He's finally forgiven me. Why we gotta tell him we're hanging out? When we're not even serious yet. There's no goats. There's no hand in marriage. Why you gotta blow up my spot? Why? 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 But instead, I coughed up a, do you really have to talk to Cam? Yeah, Jeff replied, unfazed by my plea. It's something I'd want done if it was someone I dated. I'll probably give him a call this week. Dread quickly filled my every fiber. A thick elixir of fear and anxiety that pricks your throat when you swallow. And what made it worse was that I actually really liked Jeff. I didn't want to stop getting to know him just because it might hurt my ex's feelings. But I didn't want to be a source of pain for Cam again. The following week, I tried to rationalize to myself and others why it was a dumb idea for Jeff to call Cam. I dialed numbers, sent out text messages, some friends understanding my trepidation around the situation, but none demanding for a halt to the call. It went well. Jeff confirmed on a tepid Thursday afternoon. It was short, but he had a lot of nice things to say about you, and he appreciated the call. That's it? I asked, anxiously. He wasn't upset, or... No, Jeff replied. But I know men. He's going to reach out to you. <laughs> He's definitely not going to reach out to me. I laughed, nearly cutting Jeff off. He didn't even reach out when we first broke up. It's been years since we dated. Why would he reach out now? Because we know when certain situations are different. He didn't take your last one seriously, and was he wrong? Jeff questioned. I shook my head in disbelief. I know my ex-boyfriend. Even if he felt anger or irritation, he'd handle it internally. I wasn't getting a call. Okay, we'll see, Jeff insisted, smiling. It took all of 72 hours for Jeff to be right. My pocket rumbled as I set my work bag down on the dining room table. It's probably my mom, I thought, rustling through keys, gum wrappers, and wads of lint before finally finding my phone. My stomach turned when I read the screen. Cam's calling? What could he... Hello? Hey, what's up? You busy? Can you talk? No, I'm not busy. What's up? I got a call from Jeff the other day. Okay. He 
know, I have a lot of respect for Jeff. I don't have a problem with Jeff. It's you I have a problem with. I would have expected that call from you. My tongue turned to stone. The words I needed were too heavy to speak. Cam, I'm, I'm not deliberately trying to hurt you. I can't tell. You're really going to do this again? I should have never met up with you, man. The tears falling from my cheeks were birthed from frustration, not sadness. That night, I texted Jeff to kill our budding relationship before it even had a chance to bloom. Hey, Jeff, the message read. I really enjoyed the time we spent together. But after giving it some thought, I really don't want to be the bad guy again. I think we should pump the brakes on hanging out and catch up in a few weeks. I understand, Jeff replied. And I genuinely respect that. And you. But before we completely pump the brakes, are you down for one more bad guy drink tomorrow night? I set my phone to the side to quietly sit and think. Long after our relationship ended, I was relying on Cam to ease my burden by pardoning past mistakes. After our talk, I felt selfishly that Camp's forgiveness was mine to keep. As if it were some mystical trinket I could tuck under my pillow to prop up my ego and quiet my guilt. I had yet to build a sturdy, reliable foundation of self-forgiveness. Not realizing that external forgiveness is thin, breakable, and oftentimes highly conditional. Loving myself enough to forgive myself was a task that he nor anyone else could successfully undertake. The truth was that Cam didn't owe me a damn thing. Not his love, his blessing, or his amnesty. And I didn't owe him a damn thing. Not my pity, my guilt, or my devotion. With or without Jeff in the picture, it was time to stop blaming myself. It was time to stop caring to what extent my ex-boyfriend saw me as a good person. It was time to let go. The following night, I took a sizable sip of a champagne cocktail in a comfy corner of my favorite martini bar. The pitch black walls and shimmery chandeliers made everything feel dangerous and elegant. I could see Jeff approaching the hostess stand as I set down my glass. When our eyes met, I knew I'd found a palpable connection in the present. And regardless of the outcome, whether we were destined to be good friends, lovers, or partners, I was willing and open to the true power of possibility. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to listen to episode one of season two. I really, really, really appreciate all of the love. If you rock with the podcast, please like, subscribe, leave me a review. I appreciate every single one of you. Thank you so much for listening. 